welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley, we're here for a episode of Market Watch for this week, and I'm joined with Matty Person. Perso, how are you going week one of the NRL season? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Uh, it's good to have the footy back. Yeah, it is. It was um, it was an interesting first round of everything, and um, probably... I guess uh, a good one for us to do a market watch early on in the season. So just to give everyone a heads up, since this will be our first market watch one, we'll be going through our um, our trade-out candidates, our trade-in candidates, and certainly for this first one, it's early in the season, so I guess the caveat is um, you probably shouldn't be trading out all your, all your players and panicking if they haven't gone well round one because... Geez, God knows, per se, there was a lot of guys that didn't really perform round one, wasn't there? Uh, there was heaps, but uh, more to the point, just a little off topic. What a tiger! <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it to come oh, up. Yeah, believe the tiger's upset your shorts, mate, but uh, I thought uh, we'd get done by 40. But um, I am. Um, blood if I go. Uh, <laughs> I'll take the two points. It wasn't but, uh, fun watching it at the pub. Point, point on topic, right there is uh, Tedesco. You wouldn't be trading him out for anything at the moment, even though it was quite ordinary on the weekend, but that's exactly um, the point you were trying to make right there. He'll come good. Oh, sure. for sure. And, like, that's a it's a really good point. Teddy's a, a great poster child for this type of thing. You know, round one of a season, Teddy, and even outside of that brutal Tigers-Roosters game, someone like Paul Gallen. You know, if you were happy with a Teddy or a Paul Gallen, you know, a couple of days before kickoff. After one game, you shouldn't be bitterly disappointed in them just because they had one dud score. And I think everybody just forgets because it's been a long off season. Everyone forgets that. Whereas, you know, if it was during the year, in round twelve or thirteen, and they threw up that dud, you just talk, chalk it up to being a dud, and you you know go into the next week with them in your team and not even think about trading them. So everyone's probably got to remember that when they're looking at the trades. For round one, I'll, I'll probably I'll I'll give you my little quick strategy per se before we get into it, because I saw a few people mentioning around the traps or you know you shouldn't be wasting your trades the first couple of rounds or um, you should only trade this type of player or whatever. First of all, there's there's a million different strategies to super coach and none of them are right or wrong. Um, a lot of them will work or not work, but for me personally, the first few weeks of super coach I will trade heaps heavy because. I think it's the perfect time for you to get your team right, make sure it's balanced, and nobody ever, even past winners, ever get it right pre-season. Nobody has a crystal ball to know what the rotations are going to be, who's going to get the minutes, what players are going to look like at new clubs and all that type of stuff, what new rookies are going to come in that first one, two weeks, what cheapies you have to set yourself up for for round three price rises. So I always use it just to balance my team up, and I'll use all my trades if I need to, to be ready for that round three basically second kick-off period. Yeah, 100%. First two rounds are the best two rounds to be trading, Max, and I think um, pretty much most people do it. It's um, all the past guys I talk to, but um, they always trade it massively first two rounds. Try and get the guys in you've missed and things like that and sort your scene out. Guys that start crap like myself every year. <laughs> trade massive. Bring in the guys you should have picked in the first week. You traded out and chasing points. So you're either tra- it's um, yeah, first two weeks. It's all about getting those guys in the game, especially this year. So there's so many cash options. So uh, you've got to be trading. I think unless for miraculously you pick the right side first up, which wasn't many of us for the look of it. But um, yeah, first two rounds, it's trade time. It's 
save after that. Yeah, I don't know if many people would have uh, got it quite perfect, especially with some of these guys that ended up coming through. But um, that rolls right, right nicely into our um, into our first part of the pod, which is uh, the trade out candidates. And um, like I sort of alluded to earlier, and um, Perso brought the Teddy example. We're going to talk trade outs for guys that probably you can give up on now without getting penalised too much or punished down the track. It's not going to be trade-outs talking about guys like Teddy or, or Gal and guys like that because, as we've already established, it's round one. We're not going to trade-out guns. It's a wasted trade. Unless you really, really have to, under exceptional circumstances, to get a couple of guys in that you have to because you really stuffed up your team pre-season. So, in saying that, first trade-out candidate, Perso. I've got my mate Takiaho from the Roosters. What did you take out of that performance on the weekend? Yeah, massive bump. Um, he's a massive. He, he's probably the ultimate trade out target. So much so, I traded him out um, about five minutes before the game on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, um, yeah. that was good that you got ahead of the curve, then, mate. Day after I have one, I took Madison and on that sneaky count that he got named, so, which was all right on the weekend. Played a right tool for fifty-seven, but um, whether he's going to keep coming in. I don't know. I thought Gordon might play middle with him as soon as he's on the bench, but it's a long story for another show. Yeah, Takio, massive trade out. Probably the biggest trade out. Yeah, I'd say he's probably, I probably agree with you. He's probably the trade out of the round. And um, me and Billy were talking on the preseason pods, and I was, yeah, of course I get some of them wrong because I don't win Supercoach every year, so I get a lot of them wrong. But one of the ones that I did get right was I said, you know, anyone looking at Takio needs to remember that he's done this before. And he just—he just doesn't. He's just two meat and potatoes. And when you look at what he did on the weekend, he had 38 points, 17 of which was from tackles, and 24 from hit-ups, and basically had nothing else aside from some errors. So, when you're not getting any TBs or offloads or anything, you know, this isn't a, a one-off for Takiaho. It is that's the sort of game that he has, and he only got 48 minutes. So if he's only going to get 48 minutes, and he's a meat and potatoes guy, he's only going to give you real points from tackles and runs you're better off just cutting bait now because he's, he's not going to get any better than that and he lost the goal kicking and that was probably his only saving grace, I think, where people you know, might have held on to him or might have thought it will be okay. But with no goal kicking, mate, he's my number one trade-out as well. No, 100%. He's absolutely a, a country baked dinner. It's all meat and potatoes. There's nothing else in there. <laughs> and um, the goal kicking was probably a little bit of added spice that was missing from, uh, from the dish. Yeah, the... Personally, uh, it was on that topic of what I touched on earlier about rooting too much into um, early season draws where, with a new season. It's always a dangerous game, and um, everyone said the Chooks had a pretty nice, easy draw, and he might you know, kick him on the goals. He might kick eight goals a game, and then all of a sudden the Tigers win a 10 8 game against the Chooks. So yeah. That was always a danger. Well, I mean, there's even downside to him still because, I mean, he even he got the start even though he only got 48 minutes and um, my worry um, was always with, with Dylan Napa on the bench needing to get a lot of middle minutes um, and Isaac Liu cementing himself as someone in that number 13 jersey. It is, I just didn't see the room. And then when Corden is starting from the bench as well with Napa, both of which needed to get minutes, and Madison comes in and, and he's going to go back to the bench this week but he's going to still take bulk minutes. There's just not enough minutes to go around. So, yeah, everyone wave bye-bye to uh, SST. He's gone and um, should definitely be moving on into our second one, which is a guy that um, 
isn't wasn't as big a pun and isn't going to hurt teams as much, I don't think, because he was only 270k to start with, so you can live with those mistakes pretty easy. Latu from the Gold Coast Titans, per so. He looks like a pretty clear-cut um, second-best guy to be trading out of your team this week. Yeah, I don't know, it's only one game, but uh, that was a bum trappish territory for sure. Uh, there's a few guys talking about, nameless there, Wilford. Absolutely all over him, like a cheap suit, but um, yeah, I don't know, he was pretty ordinary. I don't know if there's much plus side there. Wallace is coming back, not this week, but next week. So he's probably um, the biggest trade-out candidate, uh, sort of mid-to-low cheapy types. Yeah, he scored four, he, he had 40 minutes and he scored 24 points, which is actually absolute bumish. And, I mean, look, even the year before, in 2017, he had, he had 30 points a game in 36 minutes, so certainly a better PPM, but it was still under one. And if you're under one and you've got Wallace coming back, you know, I, I know a lot of people like Wilfred were pretty sold that um, Latu was going to hold his spot. playing less than 40 minutes here, atrocious, really. Oh, it's, it's awful. I mean, especially for a guy that's meant to be an impact player, you know, their PPM, PPM is meant to be higher with the lower minutes, and he was the opposite. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I, I know you mentioned Fish was keen on him. I wasn't as convinced that Latu was automatically going to stick in the starting side. When Wallace came back, I thought that um, Jai Arrow had a, a decent shot at being able to earn his spot in that side before uh, Wallace came back. And based on the minutes and um, Latu's performance, I'd say that's that's pretty much the time that you can you can cut on him. I guess the only thing I say is like you mentioned before we fired up the podcast that um, you'll probably give him another week, and that's not a bad thing. No one should feel like that they have to trade any of these guys out. You can put them on your trade watch list to maybe after one more free look at them to to get rid of them the next week. Yeah, there was no absolute rush at all. Um, we didn't sit there on the MPRs this week. I'd see what happens. At the end of the day, 270 cars is more than a, a cheapy one. So I don't know, people might have picked up Tanganara or someone like that. You, you can have a look. A couple of the Warriors guys like Sal and Papali, you see where they sit in a couple of weeks' time. There's no rush to get him out. I certainly wouldn't be playing him in the 17, though. I'd be a bit of a big risk. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, that's sort of also, I guess, you can wait on him, but just make sure that if you are going to wait to trade someone out like Latu, that you're planning ahead and you know what your moves are going to be. Because the worst thing is to get to that round three point and to have, you know, three or four Latu types that you need to get rid of because they're going to bleed cash and they're just going to be crap and also need to get three, four or five guys in that are going to go up in price and you can only do two of them. So make sure you just plan ahead, I guess. Yeah, and then injuries hit and you start. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, we, we haven't even really ha- had a taste of bad injuries yet, although I had uh, Tarpany from uh, the Raiders, which was really annoying because he started off really well. But he's, uh, he's a trade-out for injury. And another trade-out guy for injury is the Sharks' young guy, Katoa, who um, unfortunately got a broken jaw and he's looking at 10 to 12 weeks on the sideline. I don't know, he is one of the top three trade-outs per so on Supercoach at the moment, but um, I'm actually going to be holding him myself. I think he's a fine trade-out candidate, and he certainly deserved to be in that top few, but um, my thing with Katoa is that he's he's only a bottom-priced rookie, so I don't know if it's worth the trade at the moment, um, particularly if if you're in a, if you've got a team together that you don't have any, a guy that's not playing, a guy that you can use the loop on or something, I'd just keep Katoa, I think. I think that there's bigger problems to worry about for most teams. 
Oh, 100%, especially if you've already got a full 25 and he's the only guy you haven't got playing. Um, I certainly wouldn't be rushing a guy like Dahoney in to replace him or anything. Um, you'd probably sit on him. You could sit on him. If he's the only guy that's not playing 25, you could sit on him for a little while. It doesn't really matter. But um, if for people with Dana and uh, Sami or Kenna, you'd sit back and watch this week how they go and you might be able to cut with an extra 50k next week to maybe move him on if, if you want to grab one of those guys but certainly no rush to get him out of your side. Yeah, for sure. And probably the other rookie price guy going in from Katoa that's um, got a start this year is uh, young Nichols over at South Sydney Rabbitohs went over from Melbourne and won the starting prop spot but um, he, uh, he projected as a slow... A slow burn cash cow anyway. He was always going to take a little bit of time. At the moment, though, uh, you know, a bit of time might be the 2022 season, the way it's going, because he's just been put on the bench. So I know that you you were keen to probably have a look at getting rid of Nichols Purser. Yeah, he's going to be a slower burn cow than Josh Starling from a couple of years ago, I reckon. Uh, probably by about round 18, he might have made about 60k. Looks like well, he might have been a bit, a bit of a trap. Anyone has got him... Uh, yeah, you'd probably be looking, I'd be looking to move him on quicker than I would Katawa, that's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, he's also someone where um, we're in a pretty fortunate circumstance this Supercoach season because, you know, me and you spoke about all the grenades that were thrown up with the, the first TLT, but one of the nice things that's happened is that there's just so many options, I think, for this week and the next week. You know, guys like Nichols... There's so many good trading targets that we're going to get to that you can easily go from him to one of those guys without even doing a second trade, and that's that's a real luxury. Let's talk about um, the gun or the semi-gun guy that um, is probably a trade-out. Anyone who, who owns James Graham will probably be really disappointed with his output. He did not have a great debut for the Dragons. I think he tried pretty hard in real life, but at the end of the day, you know, he scored 43 points in 50 minutes. 50 minutes is never going to get it done for James Graham. You really needed that 60 or so to be real relevant. 460,000. I don't think you can afford to really let him just sit there per so and hope for the best. Yeah, I'd give him another week probably. He was injured in that game. He had some kind of arm injury and sat on the sideline for a bit. I think the Dragons' middle minutes were a bit all over the place in that game. So it doesn't look promising for him. But um, if I had him, I'd probably sit on him for another week. See what happens this week, but uh, if it's more of the same, then yeah, he's definitely a round three punt. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess that's pretty good advice to, to wait another week. I don't. Uh, I'm not too big on him being much better though. I think even if he gets another, I mean, even though he was hurt, he's still got 50 minutes. If he gets another five minutes, he's still only going to get 48 points or something. So. Based Probably the current, most discouraging yeah. thing for Graham is uh, how good Bourne and DeBellin looked and how good their minutes looked as well. So you can't really see a massive increase coming. Yeah, Vaughan, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Vaughan and um, DeBellin were, were so impressive. And we kind of expected them both to be, and they're priced that way as well. So they're meant to perform at that level, and thankfully they did for all those that, that shelled out the cash to buy them. But, I mean, even some of the other lesser guys, per so you mentioned Armel a bit earlier when we were talking before we fired up the podcast. He's another guy who, who gave him a lot when he actually came on. So they do have a lot of good middles there that can give him those minutes. They don't have to really rely on James Graham. No, for sure. Um, yeah, so <laughs> probably not the best purchase. And you, as I said, you probably hold him this week to see what happens. 
just they're not rush on it, but uh, he's probably looking like a trade out. Yeah, so let's um, let's move into the more exciting part. Put a smile on everyone's face when we talk about the trade-ins. This is the exciting part where you get a shiny new toy. Number one on my list, Perso, is a guy that is owned by almost 50% of coaches at the moment already. I mean, I dare say that's gone up in the last sort of 24, 48 hours. Kick out from the Penrith Panthers. He, um, what a stunning debut for round one he had. Oh, he looked absolutely sensational. Um, Hook put a bit of a scare through Supercats all over the place when uh, he dropped me back to the bench prior to the kickoff, but um, he still saw pretty good minutes and saw less minutes because he got uh, a hand injury and then the game. It looked like he was the rotation was he was coming on and staying on, on and played on the edge and was absolutely dynamic too. So absolutely tore up the uh, Earl's right edge defence at every opportunity he had. So he looks a, a super cow. And uh, he's been named again this week. Probably drops back to the bench and will play in the same minutes again last week. But um, if you haven't got him, you've got to get on him. Oh yeah, for sure. And he's a he's one of those real valuable jewels as well. The front row forward, second row forward, jewel one hundred ninety two thousand eight hundred dollars. And just looking at the stats, it was just it was such a beastly performance. He had you know he had the try that he got, but the other thing too was you know he had ten points in in tackle breaks. He had an effective offload thrown in there. He had two line breaks as well. And he was just carving them up. And when you consider that, I think he only played 35 minutes as well, which is just astounding. He had like a 2.5 ppm. Uh, obviously, that's not that's not going to keep up, but it just shows the sort of potential that the guy has, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. And uh, he would have played more minutes. And it was that injury. He would have played at the game. So it would have been closer to 50 minutes. Yeah, uh, definitely encouraging. Do you reckon he earned more minutes as well with his performance? Because he only played that, you know, thirty-five. But maybe he earned it over some of the other guys. Uh, looking at looking at the way they lined up and the way they went, that uh, Fisher Harris went on, started on the edge. Merrin came off. Kickow went on. Fisher Harris played a bit of middle, then Fisher Harris went back off again. And uh, Merrin was going on. I think I think the idea would be to kick out when he goes on, he'll stay on. Mm. So um, so that 40, 45, 50 minute. On the edge type thing, so I'd uh, definitely be very encouraged. Yeah, I'd, I'd say even though he, he had reasonably low minutes, uh, I'm looking at him as probably a must buy by the time round three clicks around. So put him at the top of your list, everyone. Um, he's already owned by half of super coaches, though, so there's not too many more people that need to buy him. A similar guy in a few ways is uh, Robbie Rocco, who for your Tigers. Who would have thought that Robbie Rocco would have been the best forward on the weekend for your your winning team over the Sydney Roosters, per So, what were the odds on that one? Yeah, well, it was always the minutes, wasn't it? As soon as he went back to the edge, he used to always play on the edge, but the uh, last couple of years he's been a middle forward at South and then Melbourne. So, Bobbins put him back on the edge, back to 80 minutes. He's obviously no superstar, he's not going to be a Supercoach gun by any means, but... Um, a lot that game was a very dowered game, so um, base stats are quite inflated from what they'll be each week. But um, at 242k, the, uh, the, that edge spot's used to lose, but look at it, I think he's pretty good value. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was 53 points in rural base that he had for his 61 points, which is pretty nice, but a little inflated, but still good for someone of the quality that Robbie Rocco is. It's all about the price, so. At that price point you mentioned, it's um, it's, it's really a no-brainer. I'm going to wait a week myself to see how it pans out. 
probably won't make a difference, but I am conscious that Cleary can change things up a little bit. But provided he's getting 80 minutes and he holds that spot, he's going to be a fantastic buy. So I'm aiming to get him in before round three, get a free look this week and then have a look at him myself. One of the things I wanted to ask you, being a Tigers fan, Perso, um, where whether you see threats to his minutes from anyone else, um, particularly I know McQueen's coming back from his neck injuries and stuff, but um, he's in reserve grade at the moment, and eventually he's got to come back into the side, you would probably think. Yeah, I, I think you'll find McQueen will probably come on, uh, play a bit of middle, maybe push Taylor to the edge, I don't know. I think the way it's, there's two guys in that Tigers side that um, Ivan seems to be pretty keen on all through the off-season and they've got their spots and that's uh, Rockow and Corey Thompson. So I can't see either of them losing their spot unless they put in a couple of hours, to be honest. Well, that's positive news then because I wasn't too sure. But, um, yeah, I didn't I didn't really know what to make of it. So Rocco holds that spot. He's a, he's a must-buy as well for 80 minutes on that edge. And pretty much anyone that gets 80 minutes on an edge with... Um, with that type of opportunity for that price, you can't you can't worry about the quality that we've got in real life. I mean, you can have absolute absolute duds on the field watching a game, but if they're getting eighty minutes on an edge and they're only two hundred and thirty k, they've just got the opportunity, so you just got to do it. So moving on from Robbie Rocco, who made the Roosters pack look like really like a bunch of cats, I guess. <laughs> Let's try and forget about that game. Uh, Slade Griffin. Let's talk about Slade Griffin. So 250k odd. He had a he had a real nice um, game in his first number nine jersey for Newcastle round one, didn't he, Persa? Yeah, he looked pretty good. Um, actually, surprised me getting the minutes he did. Uh, until I well, didn't surprise me once Levi wasn't in the side. I thought Brown might have gone with a similar tactic as he did last year, having Levi coming off the bench after about 30 minutes and. Having his Bureau Cost Station type guy in Griffin starting, but it looks like Griffin's his main guy, so um, being a jewel as well, he looks like a pretty good pickup. Yeah, he does, 250k. And um, I mean, I, um, I, was, I was almost going to go Havili to him before lockout. And the only reason I didn't was because I questioned marks over Canberra's rotation and the Knights, and I figured, well, Havili was less, so I just. I won't try and find the extra 80 grand. I'll just sit with Avili and see what happens. But you're right, Slade looks a real deal. I was a little bit concerned that someone like Jamie Bureau might um, spend some time at Hooker as well. And even though you know he might get the bulk of the minutes, maybe it would be 45 or 50 minutes. But didn't end up that way. I think Brock Lamb came on in the 68th or 69th minute before um, any of that changed. So you would expect that that's probably going to be the sort of rotation that they're going to have, that Brock Lamb's probably going to not go on until maybe that last 15 or, or something like that, wouldn't you? Yeah, it looks that way. They've known the same team again this week. So, uh, while ever Levi's not on the bench, Griffin looks like he's a good option. Yeah, and I, I, I guess that's the only little caveat that um, Levi is it. The Knights and some of their fans have liked Levi and thought that he might have been the future nine there. So I guess he, he could put some pressure on. But at the moment, I'm going to wait and see. Griffin's output this week myself, and if he does the same thing, then um, I'm going to be all over him for round three, and it could be a a real dirty uh, Rocco and Slade Griffin trading for the Barnstormers for round three, which did, wouldn't have sounded very good preseason per se if I said that. That sounded hideous, but yeah, 
that's uh, that's the thing that round one throws up, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he had 82 points, so I guess with that he did have a line break and a try. But, I mean, look, beggars can't be choosers. Take the 27 points off that he got for the line break and the try. And, yeah, he still scored 50s. And 50s for a guy that's 250k, dual hooker, second row, gives you a lot of flexibility. It's going to be a no-brainer for round three. I'd probably just watch this week and see. But if you want to pull the trigger this week, then I think that's fine as well. Yeah, oh, that's the thing. There's so many guys you can watch this week and go next week, and all of a sudden you need about eight trades to get them all in. Yeah, well, you'd hope... Probably going to take a punt this week on a couple of guys, leading in the next week to yeah. get the other couple of guys. Some guys will have to, for sure. I mean, I'm I'm in the fortunate position where I already have kick-out, and I've already got this next guy that we're going to talk about, which is Richie Kenner, South Sydney Rabbitohs. Carved it up on the weekend, per se, against the Warriors, and um, he's looking pretty juicy. Ah, oh, for sure. Um, I had him. He was never in doubt for being my side counter. Um, played him last week as well over Katara and uh, Osaka. So that was half a win. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, if you don't have him, you're definitely jumping on him. But he's looking overly fantastic against the Warriors, but uh, it definitely looks like he's going to get plenty of attacking ball. And uh, at his price, and with the genuine like of Chiggy's in the second row, you pretty much got to have all these guys. That's uh, Santa Wingerman. You can't ask, and yeah, even uh, Sami, if you haven't got him, he's going to come in and quiet him now. Just purely because Santa Wingman, there's no cheapy, so these guys are pretty much must haves. Yeah, it makes it really hard, doesn't it? Normally, like we've said pre season, it's the Santa Wings are the, the ones that you normally have the influx of cheapies on with, with guys getting thrown on the wing, which is a bit safer for de- debutantes and stuff like that, but. Just hasn't materialised, so I was lucky to have Kenar as well, and I also played him, which saved me from my Teddy captaincy choice this week a little bit, which was nice. But I guess the only thing with Kenar, and it's not really a big deal, his base is pretty bad. He is a winger. He got a lot of his points from um, scoring a couple of tries, and I think that he also had a try assist in there as well for his 85-odd points that he got. So, yeah, if he didn't have that attack that was thrown at him, then um, he would be not looking at a great score. But at the end of the day, you know, you'll cop that. Just don't play him every week and then just have him on the pine. And if you get, you know, an 80-point score every three weeks, you're going to make a ton of cash on the guy. So um, let's move on to one of my preseason favourites, Perso. This is a guy who um, I had in my team and I actually got rid of for Tavita Pengai Jr. because I was worried about the Bulldogs' rotation. And I got freaked out at the last minute when I was going through the minutes and Adam Elliott got put on the bench and I thought, you know what, I don't know if Fatala Marino is going to get 80 minutes on that edge and if he's getting 50 or sub-50, he's really not going to be looking too appealing at all. So uh, I went Tarpany instead. Obviously, he got injured, so that was a really uh, really poor move by the Barnstormers team and we suffered on the scoreboard for it. But um, Fatala Marino, per se, 310k, ended up playing 80 minutes on the edge for the Bulldogs Scored a try, had his offloads like we thought that he would, and um, you know, is a genuine attacking threat for them on that edge if he stays there. Yeah, he looks a good option. Um, the 80 minutes is the big thing there, and uh, <laughs> he showed all the promise we talked about in the previous show. So, definitely a trade in target, that's for sure. If you, you still want to see it again this week, you'd watch for one more week, but um, he looks a good option. You know, and I guess the risk for him is probably a little bit minimal now that we're kind of seeing Dean Pace hand, hand on how he's going to do the rotations. Um, 
you'd think that the only thing that would happen is if Adam Elliott had to come into the side, which which might happen, that he'd come in at lock, right? And that wouldn't really affect that those edge minutes. Well, that's apparently where he'd been going and stuff through the off season as well. Anyway, Elliott in in the middle, so oh, it looks like Bay wants to go with his two uh, edge boards, Bay and Addy. So definitely worth a punt. Yep, I'm going to be probably getting for Taylor Mariner in this week and just um, chalking it up as an error in judgment right before kickoff. Bit of a rush of blood for me, going Tuppany over for Taylor Mariner after I talked him up all pre-season. <laughs> so um, let's move on to uh, our gun trading. And um, again, throwing the caveat up that we said at the beginning of the pod, um, you know, there's a lot of great guns that you could trade in. A lot of guys did well um, in the in the first week of the season. Guys like um, Nathan Brown put up a great score. Other guys like um, Turbo put up a good score. But we all we all know that's what those guys are going to do, and they're all priced accordingly, very expensive. You don't want to be ripping your team apart at this point. But one guy who um, who came in and busted out a 73-point um, throwback score from 18 months ago was Trent Merrin, who at 515k is a lot cheaper than those other guns. And um, he's also a gun with a bit of gun pedigree, which is always nice. We know he can do it. He's done it before. But probably the biggest thing for me, Perso, is he looked really fit. And watching the game, he looked really good. He looked dangerous. He was looking to offload. He was a handful. And uh, I panicked a little bit because he went off the field and and that second stint was a lot shorter than the first. So he only got 50 minutes, which was always going to be danger for Trent Merrin and his value. But in 50 minutes, he still busted out 73 points. So he he looks like I definitely want him in my side for round three if I didn't already have him. Yeah, he looks superb. <laughs> yeah, he was firing on all cylinders. Uh, as I said, don't every time offloading all the things that he, you like about Merrin. Seventy four points. Um, yeah, at eighty nine percent ownership as well. So um, he's a pot at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't believe he was yeah, only yeah. owned nine percent. That's just that was crazy to me when I um, realised after lockout. Yeah, he's a, he's a definite purchase. Yeah, um, he would be my number one gun purchase, I think, um, just based on value. And um, also, the Panthers have um, you know a decent enough draw coming up as well. So, Perso, I think that wraps up our, our trade outs and, and trade ins for our market watch for round one. A little bit of a shorter one today because um, it's a little bit of a wait and see. But um, those are the ones that. I think a good highlights for getting out of your team or getting into your team. So, as always, Perso, thanks very much for jumping on the pod, mate. Everyone loves to hear from uh, the Super Coach Stats legend. Yeah, always happy to jump on, mate. We had uh, talk for hours about footy. <laughs> yeah, well, we could get the the world's first twenty uh, four hour long podcast going eventually, but for now, I think we'll call it quit on Market Watch and uh, good luck with this with this week, Perso. Hopefully, round two treats you a bit better. No worries, Barnsley. I'll just leave uh, with one useless stat for the night on the old uh, dollars per point. And uh, good old James Maloney is valued at $154,466 per point. (laughs) 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 Just going to put one out there. I thought that was quite amusing. And uh, he's he's the uh, the worst valued and uh, kick out at $2,200 per point. So. And James Maloney was also on minus two. 154,000 per point, which is um, was all minus two of them, whatever it was. Yep. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. Uh, so, yeah, 
anyone who's got James Maloney, we didn't talk about him because we won't give you nightmares on the pod. But um, yeah, he, he should already be out of your team. We sh- he shouldn't be owned. He should be zero percent owned by now. So we didn't even been anywhere near it. But I just thought uh, one hundred and fifty-four thousand and uh, five hundred bucks per point. Has there any ever been anyone valued? Worse than that, I don't know. It's I think it's. I think, I think that's a record, and minus two at the half. We finished on a two-point score. I did see some poor bugger um, post um, if there was something wrong with the with the Supercoach website because he missed the game and came back from the pub and and saw that his captain James Maloney was only on four points. <laughs> so that was a that was a heartbreaker for that bloke. But uh, that's why you don't captain James Maloney week one, I guess. But that's also why he should be zero percent owned right now. So thanks very much, Perso. We'll catch you next time, mate. And uh, for everyone else, uh, we are available on iTunes for you to download or you can grab us on SoundCloud. Follow me, Barnsley. And thanks very much for listening, everyone.